0: What's happening everybody? Welcome to the Talking Chop Podcast. My name is Brad Roll and I'm the host of this program. And today we have a special surprise for everyone in the fact that it's really kind of like old times. Uh, this is episode 23. It's been a while since we've had this guy on the podcast. But the original host of the show
1: and my good friend Carlos Colazzo is on the show. What's going on man? How's it going Brad? It's nice to be back. It's a little weird not to be uh, starting off the podcast here with you. But I, I kind of like it better this way if I'm being honest
0: whatever uh let me it's fine I've sort of gotten used to uh being in the driver's seat but it's nice to have you around even if I have to do all the uh preamble and such but uh it's good to have you what's going on with you man tell us about what's
1: happening with uh, you and that San Diego life the last couple of weeks and months it has been fun man uh, I can't complain about San Diego for sure uh, the weather is infinitely better than the weather out there in Atlanta as I'm sure you know um you still on there, Brad? Yeah, man. I'm right, here. Okay, cool. You went quiet for a second. But no, it's been great. Uh, All-Star break was fun. Got to see uh, Julio Tehran in the game a little bit. I think he had a pretty good inning. I didn't really get to watch it. I was kind of running around pulling pulling interviews and stuff for the MLB.com, guys. But it's been nice. Uh, the Padres aren't great, obviously, but they're better than the Braves have been this season. And uh, obviously, I can't keep up with Atlanta as much as I would like to, but it's kind of hard not to keep up with them when I follow all the uh, the Braves people on Twitter. So... Uh, I've been keeping tabs with you guys and uh, it's, it's nice to get on here and talk about the Braves after just talking about Will Myers and Matt Kemp for the, the whole regular season really.
0: And, and Melvin Upton, we can't forget about Melvin Upton. My yeah, boy,
1: your guy. Let me tell you, Melvin Upton, I mean, this people love him in San Diego. It's ridiculous. as like, they should. Like there are plenty of people who don't want him to be traded and it's such a contrast to the entire Braves community. Um, and he's actually been pretty solid Like he hasn't hit very well in July he hasn't really walked anymore this month after starting off the year pretty pretty solid in that area, but he's robbed three homers, he's hit a walk-off homer he stole home like on a straight steal this dude has been legit um, maybe, maybe still not worth what he's getting as far as money, you could probably argue that, but it's definitely nice to see a guy like him who struggled uh, in Atlanta for two years turn it around and kind of redeem himself in san diego but i might not even be able to see him again with the podgers on the road and his name being all over the place and trade rumors so we'll see what happens with this team uh moving forward in the deadline
0: yeah i mean i'm just so happy that
1: melvin's doing well as his only supporter i think in atlanta yeah you, were, um, you i will give you credit you were with him like the entire time you never were phased by his uh his play which and is actually like, really stupid I mean, To yeah, You you could say you turned out to be right. It might have been just something in Atlanta. Apparently, though, I heard that um, after Justin was traded from San Diego, he felt like he kind of had some pressure taken off him. So maybe it wasn't Atlanta. Maybe he just can't deal with his brother being on the same team. I don't know.
0: I'm just going to say that he finally is doing what he was supposed to do, more more or less. Like, he's not been
1: mm-hmm.
0: – like, his numbers are probably a bit better than they should be right now in San Diego, but – um, you know, I was talking to Grant McCauley, friend of the program, Grant McCauley, about that a couple of yeah. months, days ago, just to say that I, I, don't think, I don't think anybody should be running out to try to trade for Bob Upton right now and, and like pay a premium price, mm-hmm. but uh, it's been fun to watch him like be decent, even though half of, or probably more than half of the Braves fan base uh, can't stand him for obvious reasons.
1: Yeah, no, he's got a three oh four on base percentage right now, so I don't think he's going to be an impact like offensive guy for you, but he, Listen, he's I'm more not capable of yeah. playing the outfield and doing some stuff for you I guess what were you gonna say I'm not
0: here for your reasons Carlos I don't care about his <laughs> percentage he's he hits the ball a long way and he runs fast and that's all that matters no I'm just kidding I mean he was uh, the
1: first 15 and 20 guy this
0: season so you're right about that
1: which is insane oh I'm so happy it's great
0: <laughs> uh I guess we should get into actual Braves talk even you don't want to talk about
1: Chris Sale first I guess that's kind of well. I guess it kind of is
0: baseball, but I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, Set it up for me in that sense. You brought it up. Chris Sale
1: stuff can sort of be tied to Atlanta. Yeah, I know you, which is hilarious. We can get into that though, but I'm sure most of you guys know about this story. It's kind of the biggest story in baseball at the time. But Chris Sale, it was uh, reported uh, Saturday afternoon that Chris Sale was not going to be starting, and he was scheduled to start that day. So everyone immediately assumes he's being traded. Shortly after, there were some rumors that he had the flu. Then those rumors were shot down. Then we finally find out that Chris Sale turned into the hash-slinging slasher and just literally took a knife and tore up all the alt jerseys they were supposed to wear because he was mad that he didn't (laughs) get to pick the jersey. Because apparently with the White Sox, uh, like many other teams, whoever's pitching that day decides what jersey the team's going to wear. And they were doing some promotion with some kind of alternate uni, and Chris Sale didn't want to wear them, so he just decided to destroy them all so he didn't have to wear them uh, he was promptly That's a sent rational home. thought why wouldn't it be I mean yeah like if you really don't want to wear the jersey uh I guess maybe he like tore his up and then was like nah everyone's has to go after this but like if you guys haven't read Michael Bauman with the ringer dot com uh, he wrote an awesome story on this and he mentioned how like When you're cutting all these jerseys up, do you realize in the heat of the moment how crazy you are, and then you just can't stop? Like, you can't just cut half the jerseys, you just had to finish the job? Like, I don't know what's going through this dude's head at this point, but I feel like it's pretty clear that Sale is kind of a wild card. What are your thoughts on this story? I mean, it's awesome. It's hilarious. Like, if I have nothing invested in this team or this player... It's hilarious, but what are your thoughts?
0: Yeah, I want. I mean, it's it should be said that it's it's definitely funny. There's no question about that. He seems like a maniac, which <laughs> a lot of pitchers are, and it's kind of underrated that a lot of pitchers are like this and just kind of don't get the pub for it. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure they're this crazy, but um, it, it's, it often happens where pitchers have really weird quirks, and they, it seems like this is just one of those that kind of went too far, and he freaked out. I guess is the best way to put it. I mean, there's no other way to talk about a guy who cuts up jerseys in a locker room.
1: I mean, Drake LaRoche would have never let this happen. Oh yes, may there. he may so. he
0: rest in peace. Um, <laughs> theor- theoretically, at least, um, there is a there is a Braves angle though, that we have to get to. Uh, Chris Chris Cotillo of uh, of SB Nation, who we of course are boys with because that's our that's our host. Um, and of UNC, so I've
1: got the double connection with him.
0: Yeah, also of North Carolina, you guys uh, I guess have met a couple
1: times, right? Yeah, we have. He's a he's a solid dude. Don't know him too well, but we've definitely met.
0: And uh, he reported that the Braves ha- could have some interest in, in trading for sale. And also, Dave O'Brien of the AJC uh, said the team has been interested in sale for a long time and, you know, at least that it was theoretical. I'm paraphrasing there, but um, the Braves could at least um, put together a reasonable package for sale. And, you know, before, before we crap on it too much, I'm sure that you're probably going to do that uh, in short order here. Uh, sale is awesome, of course. And. He's under control for a very cheap um, relative um, for starting pitcher contract through 2019. So it's not as crazy as you might think it would be on the surface, but uh, I don't think
1: you think this is very likely to happen. No. We were talking about this before. I was overwhelmed. I first heard about this on Twitter when some some random Braves people were, like, bringing up hypothetical trade situations that would net the Braves' sale. And I was like, what are you guys talking about? This doesn't make sense at all. First of all, I don't think he's going to be traded. That looks like it could actually happen. And second of all... The Braves have been compiling all these starting pitching prospects, all these arms over the past few years, and I would assume that you hope a couple of them pan out and you can trade from your depth to get bats. I don't know why you would waste, like, a huge portion of your top guys to get Chris Sale when you're not going to be competing for the next two years. I know he's under control longer than that, but I really don't think the Braves are going to be competitive until late 2018, if if they even are then. So the timeline doesn't make sense for me, and all these people that are so excited about getting Chris Sale are the same people who are freaking out about Yassiel Puig because of personality issues. And Sale, it seems like Sale brings the same thing along. He's just a pitcher. I, I don't know. I don't get any of this. I don't think the Braves will get him. I think his price tag is going to be huge. It's going to be insane. Um, and I don't know why the Braves would try and go get him when really they need to find some impact bats. Yeah, but whatever. I- what do you think?
0: I can see them doing it um, if it was at a discount. I agree with you though that it's not going to be a discount. I'd be shocked if the White Sox um, were to give him away in that sense. I mean, if anything, they got a week here if they really want to trade him to open them up to bidding, and they're going to get a ton of offers and kind of play and kind of play teams off each other yeah. to get more. I mean, so if the Braves could get him for like a, what I would deem to be a good package, like. Maybe you know two or three of the young arms versus what, it, what I what it, what it should actually take, which is probably like six or seven of them uh, to get. I mean, that's the thing. Chris Hale is a you know a top ten starting pitcher in the league who's yeah. under control for three more seasons after this year. Yeah, like that's that's hugely like valuable. So he should be going for these for one of those like legendary prospect halls that you think about. Uh, and the Braves probably shouldn't be paying that price if they can get him for something cheap. Then sure, but it's more of a fan you know dreamy situation exactly. than anything else now
1: if, if chris archer isn't on the market with the rays if they're holding on to him then chris sale is the biggest um trade target on the market this season he's going to command an ace return because he's a legit ace it's not like with Tehran where he's the ace of this team he's a legit ace i think and it's there are so many teams who are after starting pitching right now that they're going to get a huge return there's no discount going to be had if chris sale is being traded and it the Braves should be trading their best pitcher not going after one in my opinion but we can get ooh, into that
0: later. Hot, ooh, hot takes. Let's get there now. Let's just go now. <laughs>
1: jump into it.
0: Yeah, I mean, Julio, we should say Julio Tehran uh, has an injury. exited a start early, uh, really in a, in a colossal hurry earlier this mm-hmm. week um, with right lat tightness. Uh, you know, it doesn't seem like it doesn't seem to be a really, you know, catastrophic injury, but it's really pretty uh, ill timed if you are a camp or in the camp uh, that you want to trade Tehran mm-hmm. as you seem to be, because that's not great for teams trying to pay for him right now before the deadline to not know if he's going to be healthy. Uh, the right lat tightness stuff is not, you know, it's not, again, not a huge injury, but it doesn't really help you if you want to trade him. And copies, you know, famously said that they're not trading Julio kind of defiantly, almost to the point where it's shocking to see a GM kind of rule it out like he has yeah. the last couple weeks. But uh, it seems like you you want him to go. I, I don't blame you on that. We got, a, we, got a, we got a mailback question that I should at least bring up here from Daniel Mack on Twitter. And he basically says, "Why do people feel that Tehran shouldn't command a Shelby Miller like package, considering that he is better, cheaper, and under control for longer?" Uh, <laughs> we can right. get we can get into that too. But what what are your overall thoughts on Julio all and right. uh, the possibility?
1: There's a lot. There's a lot to tackle here. But uh, first of all, I don't want Tehran gone. I, I think he's a, a a good guy, and obviously, a lot of Braves fans like him for good reason. He's been solid for a long time. Um, but I just think in this market and with where the Braves are right now, they would be silly not to trade him. and And I don't understand why Copy is so adamant about not trading him in the first place. This is a guy who's who's been, I mean, pulling the trigger left and right on trades. And I feel like he's kind of gotten a lot of backlash for that. So I'm wondering if this is another one of those Freddie Freeman situations where he has to be overwhelming about the fact that he doesn't want to trade him. Um, if they're actually not going to, then fine. I mean, he'd still be good for the Braves down the line, but. We've, we've heard all, I guess, since July has really started with how much this is a seller's market. There's not a ton of great pitching options on the table. and There are plenty of teams who are looking for pitching. You've got the Royals, Orioles, Blue Jays, Marlins, Rangers, Red Sox, Dodgers, Astros. All Everyone. those teams are looking for arms. And then with, uh, with Drew Pomeranz getting traded to the Red Sox, they landed uh, Anderson Espinosa, who Baseball America said was the, top, was, the, was the number 15 prospect in their midseason update for a guy who was a relief pitcher last year and has never thrown more than like 120 innings in a season. And Drew Pomeranz is a good pitcher. like He's performed really well. But that's a huge return, in my opinion, for a mid-tier, number three starter. Um, And Tehran, obviously, is better than him and has a better track record than him and a better contract than him. So I feel like the Braves could really get a good return here, maybe get an impact bat in the system that they need moving forward. Um, As far as the the question that... um, Who had the question again? Dale Mack, our boy on Twitter. Dale's question. So there are a couple of things with this one. I think, first of all, uh, the entire industry realizes that the Shelby Miller trade was an overpay. So I don't think that by any means you could say that that was the the correct value for Miller in the market. I think the Braves took advantage of Dave Stewart in that situation. I feel like a lot of people. Shout out to Dave Stewart. (laughs) I feel like a lot of people understand that. Also, at the time Miller was traded, he was pitching like an ace or like a number two guy. And Tehran and Shelby Miller have, like, such completely different uh, an arsenal of pitching. Like, Miller's got that mid-to-upper-90s fastball that he's working with, and I really feel like, and I even still do, if he can figure it out. Obviously, this season's been terrible, but I feel like his ceiling at the time and still even might be higher than Julio's just because he's got better stuff. Um And at the time, you could see how maybe if Shelby Miller kept this going, he could be a solid number two guy for you moving forward. And that's obviously what the Diamondbacks gambled on. Uh, They messed up. But uh, I don't know. I feel like Julio, he's a guy that's always outperformed his peripherals, and I think he'll continue to do that. But there's always a question of uh, to what extent do you think he can do that moving forward. Uh, I think Julio could bring back a big return. I don't think that we should expect anything as crazy or as lopsided as Miller, though.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, the general question is why why shouldn't uh, why shouldn't Tehran command that package? Well, he should if he should if Miller does, but that doesn't mean that it was the right. You know, you can't use Miller as a baseline. Yeah, and that's exactly. where Braves fans get in trouble.
1: I think the it's, return could still be. Good. I don't think that you're not you're going to get crap for Tehran. I'm not saying that by any means, but but I don't think that you should compare those two trades like you just said. Like, it, it's kind of a weird situation.
0: Yeah, I mean, it just all trades cannot be uh, viewed through that prism. As much as that is, that would be fun for Braves fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would be pretty. <laughs> They'd be pretty, uh, Yeah, it'd be pretty fun to follow this t- this team if if every trade was as lopsided as that one. But hopefully, uh, if they do trade Julio, it'll be for a pa- a, a package worthy of his talents. Mm-hmm. But I mean, your point about copy is interesting. I th- I think like. It's very it's almost weird to me that he's been so defiant about the fact that they're not trading him. It's been multiple times yeah. on the record, we are not trading Louis Tehran. And it's like okay, okay. I mean, <laughs> I don't know why you close the door like that. Even if even if you feel that way, there's just no reason to say it publicly. I don't I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, maybe really this don't. is
1: just one of those GM games where you're just trying to like make teams really overpay. I don't really know how GMs work, obviously, but I honestly kind of wonder if the Braves might have already missed their opportunity to sell at the highest point because Heyman's reported recently that the market isn't as much of a, a seller's market anymore with uh, with some teams not really, like they're looking for arms but they're not dead set on getting them. Apparently there are only four teams that Heyman thinks are looking at pitchers as like a must-have at the deadline. Um, so I'm wondering if if the market has already cooled down for teams trying to sell. And then you got other teams like the White Sox who are throwing pitchers in the market so it's not as uh, as light as we assumed before. So it'll be interesting to see what happens I think Tehran still should be traded. I think they'd be selling high at this point. Uh, even it, even though I, I expect Tehran to be a good pitcher moving forward, I think he'll continue outperforming his peripherals. But I don't know. It's going to be fun to see whatever whatever happens.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And while we're on the trade stuff, I guess we should just jump into the, uh, the other guys who have been sort of rumored to be on the market. Hmm. Uh, with the caveat, let me say this, we're a week before the deadline. A, a trade could break during this podcast. It hmm. wouldn't shock me in yeah, any I'm way, just out. given... Yeah, Carlos is uh, monitoring Twitter as we speak. But um, a few guys that I've at least been linked to other teams. Uh, obviously, Aroitas Viscaino uh, is, on, is on the DL right now with a straight and right oblique, and that's not great for his value, but he could be traded. You got guys like Hunter Cervenka uh, and Ian Kroll, who aren't, you know, not famous guys by any means, but. Two, you know, younger cost-controlled left-handers who have uh, who are having good seasons out of the bullpen this year that could that have been uh, kind of rumored to be on the market again, not for big returns, but mm-hmm. guys who could be interesting uh, elsewhere. And also all the veterans that you think of: Nick Markakis, Jeff Francoeur, Jim Johnson, Gordon Beckham, even Lucas Harrell have been uh, all those guys have been kind of bandied about as uh, rumored potential selling options for the Braves. And I'm I'm on board with anyone I just listed being traded. Mm-hmm. I'm good with that. Uh, the guys like Kroll and Cervenko were under control long enough. If you could get an overpay for them, then sure. And the veterans, you know, they're all on one-year deals essentially, except for Markakis, who my my uh, point of view is very clear. My boy, point. Oh man, he's been. Uh, me and Scott have talked about him endlessly in your absence, as you, know, you might it's, imagine.
1: It's honestly perfect for me because I defended Markakis probably more than anyone on the site when I was with you guys, and now I don't have to deal with him being terrible. So I don't really have to back up my claims or admit that I was wrong, right?
0: Yeah, that's that's well done by you, well timed. <laughs>
1: um, out of those guys I mentioned, like,
0: are you like opposed to trading any of them? Or are you kind of how I feel with kind of selling off anything that's not tied down for the long term? Uh, uh, I mean, aside from Croll and Sarmekka, who would be under control, but
1: again, I don't, I don't see a ton of upside in those guys. Yeah, no, I think that everyone that you named is probably up for grabs. I think this guy his market's really going to develop after Aroldis Chapman gets traded. Apparently, the Yankees and the Cubs are close to a deal. Um, so once those top relief pitchers get off the market, maybe a team looking to add in the bullpen will take a gamble on Vizcaino. I don't know too much about his injury. I was kinda of bummed to see that. But the one guy that I would I maybe would be a little bit surprised to see traded is Frank Cor, Just because uh, he seems to like it so much there and there's a ton of outfielders on the market. So I feel Fan like favorite. A, yeah, I feel like a guy like him is not gonna get a ton. I know he's crushed lefties again and he continues to do that. But um, I just don't think there would be any return worth trading him while he's kind of like it seems like he's the clubhouse dude at this point in time. All the all the media people are talking to him regularly, but I don't know how much you value that in this in this season. Um, but I feel like I mean we're gonna see a lot of a lot of trades the Braves are gonna make here in the next few days, hopefully.
0: Yeah, I think they'll be pretty active. Uh, I, mean, I, get, I wouldn't surprise you any, any of those guys. want. Frank Corr, it's interesting because he's not owed very much money. I think he's on like a mm-hmm. you know like a one million dollar contract, something like that, for this year. And he's been so good against lefties that a, a team that is a, contend- a, a contender might want to grab him as a bench bat against yeah. a, sort of a lefty specialist. So there could be some return there, but you're not looking at like a massive one unless you can talk somebody into yeah. you know a oh, Mets-like so deal.
1: If you got a team that's got a, a guy they could platoon him with or just needs a right-handed bat off the bench, I mean, he could definitely add some value for a team that's contending in a limited role.
0: But you mentioned it, though. Like, the Braves, he's obviously a local guy. I, You know, famous in my high school. Uh, you know, sells – I, I still think Cor sells some tickets, mm-hmm. which is hilarious. The people <laughs> would only go to watch their Cor, and I love him. Like, I've, I've been on him forever. I know him. I mean, we're not like friends, but again, like I have watched him play mm-hmm. high school football and baseball. Like the guy is a monster uh, athlete locally, and sort of a local legend. But mm-hmm. at the same time, like it's not worth not trading him. Like he's not on the roster long term. Yeah. Uh, if you can
1: get an actual asset of any sort, then please do that. I agree with you, and I actually want to ask you a really quick question. Not to say too much on Tehran, but do you think there's any incentive of the team keeping him for similar reasons to what you just talked about? With Frank Gore kind of being the opening day starter next year, keeping fans around. Do you think? No. Do you think they would do that? Obviously, I feel like me and you both think that would be dumb, like a dumb business decision moving forward. Like it wouldn't be worth it for the short-term ticket sales. Uh, do you think that they would, uh, I guess, operate in that sort of situation?
0: No, I think that's that's not a reason why they would do it. What what, what they would like to keep them. I think I the reason not. why they, I think the reason why, I think the reason why they're going to keep them is because they think they're going to compete next year, and not like necessarily compete, <sighs> compete, not like when competitive. Yeah, that's, that's what I mean. It's more like win hmm. 77 games okay. than it is anything else. But, like, if you – he's the one guy on the roster. With apologies to Matt Whistler and Mike fulton but who I, I like both those guys. But I'm a big Julio's the, guy. Yeah, I, I like both of them. But Julio is the one guy on the roster that you can count on to be a you know league average or better starter next year that you yep. 100% know is going to be that. And if they want to be competitive, and they, they keep saying they do, I think I'm in line with you on the fact that they're probably not going to be. But they're going to be better next year, no doubt about it. And you know, if you if, if you trade off Julio without getting a major league return uh, in, in exchange for him, you're going into the rotation next year with you know, I guess they could sign somebody in free agency, but the free agency market is rough, and starting pitching in free agency is never never really a cost uh, a cost effective thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you will be going into another rotation with a ton of young guys. And if you want to win games, that's not probably the best way to do it. Plus, you have the ob- obvious benefit of Julio's long term contract being so cheap. we talked about that a million times. But I think the one reason why they wouldn't trade him is that they think they're going to be competitive next year. And why, you know, I don't think you agree with that. I think that's the reason why they might not do
1: it. Fair enough. They know their uh, player development a lot better than I do. So, if they think they are, then by all means. Well but we got I would be actually, shocked. Just there's there's not enough bats. I mean, Danzby and Ozzy are great, but I don't they're not the impact power bats that you can like build a lineup around. They're guys you throw in to help it out. I mean, I don't know. And the pitchers, the arms aren't ready yet. This year across the board really, except for a couple people, it has not been a good year for the uh, the arms and the farm system.
0: Well, it's so. going to be. I think it's interesting. Like we we can talk a little bit more about that now. Like mm-hmm. we got we got a mailbag question about it from at uh, Sam Batkins on Twitter, mm-hmm. who basically asked us, you know, over under on wins next year at, at eighty point five. I know you're taking the under, I'm taking the
1: and hard I, under because look right right now they are projected to uh, win fifty eight games on FanGraphs. They're projected to lose a hundred and four, and win fifty eight. And if you think they're winning eighty, my question is just where are those thirty or? Yeah, where are the twenty-two wins, extra wins, coming from? Like, maybe you think the projection is light on Fangrass, but they've been pretty bad so far this year. I think they have the worst record in baseball right now. Yep. Um, so, where where are you expecting all this improvement to come from? Do you think the Braves are going to go nuts on the free agent market? Do you think all these pitchers are just going to immediately come up and just dominate? Because I'm skeptical on both fronts.
0: No, I'm I'm with you. I think you're probably a little bit lower than I am, mm-hmm. but at the same time. You know, that's a huge jump to make, man. Like, obviously, people are expecting Albies and Swanson to come in and immediately start up the middle. And that's, you know, it's fair to, it's fair to, to expect them to be better than their uh, guys they're replacing because yeah, they've been so bad. Um, but that's, you know, maybe a win or two. Uh, and you're talking about th- trying to find 20 more out there. Uh, it, it's rough, man. Like, maybe in the outfield, maybe Malik's over a full season would be helpful. Um, you know, Marcak maybe not being there or an upgrade on Adonis Garcia at third or, but I mean, there's ways to do it, but like you have to put them all together in order to get to 80. Mm. And I just, I don't, I just don't see it. I mean, they're going to try to spend some money, I think. Uh, but going crazy, like you said, in free agency, like a is a bad idea. Like it's just not a good, you know, roster building thing. And B like, they don't, this is not a payroll. that's suddenly going to be $200 million. It's just not going to be that.
1: Yeah. So like, They should just wait it out. Like I was praising, and I know we were all praising the rebuild at first because it was kind of similar to what the Cubs did and what the Astros did, and it was a long process. So if they're going to try and jumpstart it halfway through, I feel like that would be a poor move long term. Um, Obviously, I think they're going to be better than a 395 percentage team next year, but I, I don't expect... Dansby and Ozzy to come up and hit like Altuve and just jumpstart this offense and have all these young guys kind of avoid growing pains going forward.
0: I mean, by the way, Dansby or Albie's—they're never going to be as good as Jose Altuve. Yeah, I mean, I love Dansby. He's not going to be Jose Altuve or Carlos Correa.
1: Like definitely Dans- no.
0: Dansby's like uh I love him again. Like, and he's a top ten, top fifteen prospect in baseball, but. He's more of that guy who just kind of does everything well, but doesn't do anything
1: fantastically. I think he'll give you good offensive uh, numbers from the shortstop position while playing a solid shortstop.
0: Which is really super valuable, yeah.
1: but it's not, it's not
0: like a super-duper star either. Like, he's
1: not going to be Francisco Lindor. He's not, not going to be Seager. He's not going to be Correa. He's not going to be any of these like elite superstar shortstops. He's, he's going to be a solid guy who hopefully hits for pretty high average, gets on base a decent clip, and has some gap-to-gap power. I and that's fine. That's I mean, that's a good player, but it's not it's not a player you're building your lineup around either.
0: Yeah, for sure. So I think it's tough to get to a lineup next year like you mentioned. Pitching, you can probably squint and find a way that the mm-hmm. Braves are, you know, league average pitching next year. I but think that's in the fair. in the lineup though, like aside from Freeman and even if I give you, you know, albies and swanson and maybe one of the outfielders like malix mm-hmm. you still got to find you know three four more bats you still have uh, one impact
1: hitter and that's freeman so yeah I, mean, yeah
0: I mean you got third base and a corner outfield in order to make a splash but free agency again is kind of a fool's errand and in order to make a big trade you kind of have to speed along the timetable by you know kind of going all in a little bit mm-hmm. and that's not something that probably is going to be the right thing to do yeah uh, you know without doing too much on that we can get into some more fun stuff um And that means prospect talk because in 2016, the only stuff that's fun is uh, trades and prospects. Dang, Um, you guys don't have Will Myers to watch. That sucks. Yeah, Will Myers (laughs) is a lot of fun. I would like to see him in a Braves uniform if you can make that happen. That'd be cool.
1: Uh, I don't think they're keen on trading him, but I know. Not now.
0: They certainly won't be. He's uh, kind of lighting the world on fire. High Um,
1: Point, from High Point, North Carolina. Shout out to the hometown. That's not my hometown. I mean, that, that's, close that's basically Braves country. That I is. mean, I mean, he would definitely be a guy that Braves country latches on to. He's a super nice guy, but we do not to go down that rabbit hole.
0: For sure, uh, you know, two prominent you know prospect things that I made note of this week that kind of came out. The Braves were named as the top farm system in baseball by ESPN's Keith Law. And also, Baseball America released its midseason top 10 for the Braves. We can kind of go through that, but uh, before we do that, do you agree that the Braves have the top prompt system in baseball in uh, Keith Law? And if you don't, or if, even if you do, is there a team or two that you think has an argument to be in that conversation with the, with the Braves right now? Uh,
1: I don't know if... I think that's probably fair. I think there are two other teams that I would have no problems with being number one, uh, and I think those are the Astros and the Red Sox. Um, but I definitely think it's fair to put the Braves number one. I think before the season, um, I think me and several other people thought the Dodgers had the best system because of the top two guys they have. And with Seager graduating, uh, I think it's fair to say that they're out of, the, out of the question. But I think that's also a good argument for these farm systems that maybe not have as much depth as the Braves do, but have a couple guys at the top who are really impact-level prospects. And I feel like that's what the Red Sox have with Yohan uh, Moncada. It was an absolute monster, and I feel like that's what the Astros have with uh, Alex Bregman and AJ Reed to really uh, top of the just top of the line offensive prospects. That's really what the Braves don't have, but they do have the most pitching depth, and they have tons of great pitching prospects that tons of teams would be after. So I think it's definitely fair. Um, if I had to pick one, I don't think you. First of all, I don't think the difference between one and three at this point is huge that you need to freak out about, but I'd probably put the Astros at the top just because I like Bregman so much, and they've got a couple prep guys, and uh, Daz Cameron and Kyle Tucker along with some interesting arms, but I think it's fair. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you pretty much nailed it there.
1: It's all all sort of subjective. Uh,
0: Law's Law's been high on a lot of the Braves guys, higher on a lot of the Braves guys than some other people in the industry, Um, so that should be at least stated, but... I mean, the depth is the big thing. The depth of arms. I don't think anybody has the depth of arms that the Braves do right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially after adding three essentially first-round picks um, that are all you know top twenty-five guys in this draft. That really helps as well. Even if those guys aren't necessarily you know top five, top six, top seven prospects in the Braves system right now, they're going to be probably pretty soon if you believe in those guys. At least one or two of them. So that that influx, as well as uh, you know. You know, Kevin, Kevin, Kevin Mayton or how? I can't ever figure it Yeah, how to I've say never heard name. anyone
1: say the name. To be honest, I always say like Mayton. But I, I asked. I, I think I think it might be Mayton. I asked Zach Dillard uh, a
0: couple weeks ago, and he told me. And now I can't remember which one, which one it is because that's that's just what happens to me. I'm old. Um, but good. you know, adding him also is pretty pretty enormous. He's the one impact ish bat that is now in the system but i don't even of course, think
1: you need to say ish i think it's fair to say impact bat.
0: well i only say ish because he's 16 yeah. it's one of those things where you have to project a little bit mm-hmm. but i mean all you know it'd be tough to find a scout that didn't think he was an impact guy so i guess we can remove the ish and just say that he's an impact bat so he but he's really the only one it's him and dansby uh sort of head and shoulders above everybody else in terms of uh offensively mm-hmm. um so that has to be said. That was probably huge in terms of the way that people evaluate the system as a whole. But those the other two teams that you mentioned are right there, and it really doesn't ultimately matter. It's more about just mm-hmm. you know having that volume of quality prospects. Is there? You know, a lot of guys are going to flame out. That's just what happens. Uh, I try to tell people all the time not to get too attached to all these prospects because, you know, some of them are going to get traded. Some of them are going to flame out. That's just what happens. But uh, I like I like the, uh, the depth, for sure, of the Braves over uh, everybody else's depth.
1: Yeah, and I think that Maetan can turn into that um, elite-level prospect like the Red Sox have with Moncada. And with Bregman, the Astros just called him up, actually. He's going to be with them soon. So you know, if he sticks with the team, you'd imagine that their farm system just kind of Goes a little bit, uh, a little bit down because of that. So I think it's definitely fair to have the Braves up. But I would really like for them to see, like, like for them to get a, a kind of elite offensive guy. I know that's obviously the hardest thing to get at this point in baseball, just because of the way the pitchers are dominating the league. But
0: they're going to be looking. There's no question about it. Um. Even if it's. Probably going to have to be through trade. I think people keep thinking it's going to be a free agency acquisition. And that seems far fetched to me. It's going to have to be, uh, mm. you know, three or four or five for one trade for one big bat that they're going to be looking for and searching for and hoping a guy comes on the market. a la Will Myers. Obviously, that's just a name. I'm not saying he's going to. because he's, he's probably not going to be on the market. Yeah. But a guy we talked about on this podcast. But uh, you know, an upper tier bat is going to have to just come on the on the market for whatever reason. Whether it's a, a team, a small market team that can't afford him. Uh, or some 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 reason like that, or Yasiel, Yasiel Puig, Pui, 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 not...
1: where his teammates don't want him.
0: <laughs> well, he, he's not. I, I think we've seen enough of Puig now to think he's not an elite guy. I mean, he not. had that I'm... elite start yeah. was big for him, but he's very very talented. There's no question about that. But um, I think people. The, I think the overarching point is that Braves fans are looking for a guy who is quote unquote better than that, and you know. It's probably not going to happen in terms of, uh, you might get one for, you know, if, if the stars align, you might get yeah. one awesome package for one great guy
1: like that, but it's not going to be two or three. I know that now, it's going to be tough. And with Puig, it's interesting because there are a lot of like, so the first year he came in, he really adjusted well when the league adjusted to him at the plate. And every year since then, he's kind of done worse. Uh, there are plenty of people who still believe he's got it in him and can return to those like MVP-esque levels, but, uh. I've definitely grown a little bit skeptical, as a lot of people have with Puig, but even even still, I feel like that's a guy that the Braves should be targeting because he's, I don't know, it's it's ridiculous, the Puig talk. It seems like every year for the past three years, the Braves fans have talked about Puig, and he's like the most polarizing guy that Braves people consistently talk about that really doesn't have anything to do with their team. So that's it's funny when, when his name gets brought up.
0: Well, he's the one guy on the market. That's the thing. Like, yeah. He's the one like, guy that we know is on the market-ish, at least, mm-hmm. as, as far as bats are concerned. Everybody else that's on the market either a pitcher or not that good. Yeah. Uh, Puig at least has elite talent, even if he's kind of a crazy person. Um, you know that his talent's there. Plus, you know, the way he plays the game, it's controversial. It always has been since he came over. So it's an interesting lightning rod topic for Braves fans and other teams' fans to talk about. But it's it's fun. It is what it is. Um, before, uh, I let you go
1: because I've already taken too much of your time. No, you no, you're very, fine.
0: a very busy man in California. Uh, I'm just kidding. You're, you're, you're in the big time now. It's fine.
1: I, um, I hope I can get to the big time at some point. I'm not there yet, but I appreciate your, uh, your kindness there, Brad.
0: No, I'm with you. Uh, one more thing. I mentioned it before. Baseball America. You're former, uh, I should say, empl- I guess not employer. You were an intern
1: there, right? I mean, I technically, I filled out employer, employee So him, employer. So, perfect. Yeah. I actually got to run into those guys at the, uh, the all-star break and talk with them and Keith. I saw Keith law. He's shorter than you would imagine.
0: Yeah. uh, You told me that offline that Keith law was like approximately four foot 10 or something. You know Uh, how
1: everyone talks about like how El Tuve is like short, but you don't realize how short until you see him in person. Like Keith law is the sports writer. um, Parallel to that, I guess I think Ken Rosenthal is the same way, but it, it definitely, it didn't make me laugh, but I was like, dang, like these people talk about how short Keith law is. They weren't exaggerating. So.
0: I think, I think people know about Rosenthal cause he does so much TV, like somebody like in, yeah. like in game in, in dugout stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the stuff about law and that's, I made that point about Ozzie Albies. First time I saw him in Gwinnett, I was just startled. Like, you know how small he is, man. But like seeing him I was in, sitting in like, in like the third row at Gwinnett mm-hmm. and I was like,
1: man, that guy can't it's be tiny. more than
0: five foot four. Like he's just so small. Yeah. But hopefully he pans out. That's anyway, awesome.
1: It's even cooler when you see those small guys dominating. Yeah,
0: it's incredible. I'm pussy. He, he runs like crazy. But, you know,
1: Albies is a part of this conversation,
0: so I'll, I'll at least try to professionally segue it back. Um, <laughs> You're becoming a pro, man. I try my best. It is what it is. But I, uh, I'm just following in your footsteps, sir. Not um, Baseball America <laughs> released its top, uh, its top ten for the Braves midseason. And, uh, you know, Swanson and Albies are 1-2 to the surprise of no one. But uh, followed by uh, Sean Newcomb, Colby Allard, Mike Soroka, Austin Riley, Tuki Toussaint, Max Fried, Ronald Acuna, and Rio Ruiz. Uh, first, do you have any objections to that order and or would you add anybody to that top ten that's not currently in there for those guys?
1: Uh, I actually, when I was prepping for this, I made my own top ten. So we can get yeah, to that you did. later. But the, the one thing that kind of jumped out at me was how high Riley was because I feel like I'm I'm pretty down on him Uh, after this season just seeing the strikeout total is kind of a lack of power he's turned it on a little bit um, I think since the start of June he's done fairly well but I'm still skeptical of his uh, his power kind of playing into the games consistently so that one surprised me but I think you can definitely make an argument for it just because power is such a premium these days Um, it was kind of similar to talking chops as well I know the Talking Chop guys were a little higher on Soroka. had Ian Anderson in there, and were uh, I think they put Tukey at number 10. Uh, but I think mine are all similar guys. And I talked to um, Josh Norris with Baseball America, and he said um, were they to slot uh, Maitan into the list, which obviously he'd be top 10, but they, they did these lists before the Kevin Maitan signing was official. He said he would be as high as 3 and as low as 6 for him personally. So I think yeah. you can expect him anywhere in that area for their list whenever they update it with Maitan. Uh, but no, I think it's that's solid. important. I think with a lot of these guys, it's kind of like, which one do you prefer one spot over another? I don't think, I mean, obviously it's prospect rankings. It's not going to be like ironclad each one. Um, these guys are all around the same area, i guess, with like Dansby and Ozzy and Maitan at like a top tier for me. But what are your thoughts?
0: Yeah, I mean, I didn't have any real issues. You mentioned Roddy, that was the guy I was going to mention. Also, um, I'm higher, I think, on um, Tuki than everybody. But that's pretty. I, mean, they, I guess they were pretty high on him compared to a lot of other people. Yeah. I was inter- interested interested to see Soroka so high. I know that's a guy that our own Eric Cole loves uh, unconditionally. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but seeing seeing Allard and Soroka four or five kind of surprised me, but in a good way. I like those guys a lot. Um, I'm a little worried about Newcomb. Uh, I know Scott has been a lot has been very worried about Newcomb mm-hmm. recently. Um, what do you think about Newcomb while we're here? Since he's the number three guy, we kind of always talk about the big two, but yeah.
1: um, Newcomb's kind of terrifying me right now. I don't know about you. I I agree with you. I had him below Colby Allard. He was the second pitcher on my list. Um, I think his the stuff is all there, obviously, but I'm I'm just still worried about the uh, the command. I mean, he's still walking way more people than you'd like, and apparently. He still needs to work on his off-speed stuff. So obviously he's got a lot of the tools, but I'm starting to get a little skeptical of if he's going to put it together. Um, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I'd put him that high, but if you're going off the tools and you, you've seen him play well, uh, there's definitely an argument to be made that he's the top pitcher. Um, I think a lot of Braves fans are probably going to be more skeptical of Newcomb in general just because the trade to get him here was so controversial. So maybe they'll be a little bit harder on him, and that's perfectly fine. But um, I would have Colby Allard above Newcomb.
0: Yeah, I think I'm with you on that. It's just that whole thing about what you value. Obviously, Newcomb's further along, um, has done more to establish himself in terms of the minor league stuff. But uh, you mentioned the numbers this year. He's currently sporting a 4.48 ERA at AA in 94 innings. He's averaging less than five innings per start, which a lot of that is the fact that he can't get his commander under control. Mm-hmm. He's walking 4.96 guys per nine, which is an, obviously an unacceptable rate um, long term. You know, he's still striking out more than a batter per inning, which is something you want to see. But um, Newcomb's the stuff. There's no question about the stuff, but he doesn't really know where it's going. And that's mm-hmm. not really helping things. I mean, he's, it's a 12.8 percent walk rate. That's not gonna work even yeah. if you have a twenty four percent strikeout right which is what he has. And he's twenty three he bigger too. than that. So yeah, it's not
1: like he's that young for the for the uh, level right now either. Yeah, that that's honestly probably the separator between Allard and Newcomb for me. That's probably why I had Allard jump him just because of the age and, and where he's at right now. But uh like you mentioned he's he's gotta start throwing more strikes. Um, I kind of have a uh, a unique guy in my top ten that's not on baseball America's or talking chops. Oh, fire away. Interested in that absolutely so let me just run down my list real quick most of it's similar but I've got Ozzy number one over Dansby I don't I think they're kind of in the same tier but I put Ozzy just because that's a hot
0: take my friend
1: I feel like his offensive ceiling might be a touch higher just because he's done so well at the same level as Dansby while being a little bit younger so maybe maybe there's a little bit more projection with him that was that was kind of the only reason I did that uh and also he's not moving to second because he can't play short so I don't think that should be a knock on him uh, I have Kevin Maiton at three. Then I have Colby Allard, Sean Newcomb, Mike Soroka, Tuki Toussaint, Max Freed, Ian Anderson, and my number 10 guy, Max Posey, who is uh, a freak Ooh. on the mound. He is with uh, Carolina, or he was with Carolina, and he got moved up to A, but I actually got to see him at the uh, California Carolina League All-Star Game, which was in Lake Elsinore this year. And this dude has 104 strikeouts to 18 walks in 105 innings between those two leagues. And uh, when I was like, expect, I was like looking at these guys to see if I wanted anyone else in my top 10, and I stumbled upon him and remembered seeing him at Elsinore. And uh, he didn't even have that great of a showing, but he is six foot eight and has the funkiest delivery ever. And the fact that he's only walked 18 people uh kind of impressed me. He's got a lot of strikeout potential and I don't know, I'm high on Posey after seeing him pitch one inning live and looking at his numbers. So there's my uh oh. there's my hot top ten prospect for you.
0: A good old fashioned uh one inning overreaction. That's yeah. why we wanted to have you on the podcast I love it. for that for that well informed take. No, I like, <laughs> I like I like I like Posey too. And that's a guy that our our staff does like, uh, you know, Eric and Garrett and those guys. They do like Posey, so uh, not not a shock to me that you have him there. Yeah. But definitely high, to see him higher than you know a couple other guys, <laughs> and obviously all three of the first round picks from this year is pretty pretty noteworthy considering uh, the height that those guys have gotten in
1: the last couple months. Yeah, I thought about putting Dustin Peterson on there too, but
0: he's been good, man. Like. Uh, I know Scott's been kind of driving the trend of mm-hmm. excitement about Peterson. Uh, you know, he's regularly like
1: 91 with a 437 slugging percentage. He's got yeah,
0: he's 21 too. He's 21 in Double A. Like he's super young. Yeah. His defense is kind of a question mark, but he can definitely hit. Like I'm worried about the power a little bit as a quarter outfielder because uh, you know the Braves just don't have any power right now in the
1: corner outfield or really anywhere. But yeah. definitely in the corner outfield, so
0: that's that's worrisome. But I, 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 I like Peterson otherwise.
1: I saw an interaction with Scott and Keith on Twitter. Scott talks to Keith La a lot, and he actually responds quite a bit. So I feel like uh, Keith and him are bros. But uh, Keith also <laughs> said he was worried about the power. Uh, so I think that's an astute point from you there. Uh, I was Rio Ruiz kind of was interesting, but I feel like he's his hot start has kind of s- simmered off here of late. But um, it
0: certainly has. And like while while you bring that up, like do you think Ruiz is like a legitimate? option to start next year uh at a, like an opening day start there's a lot of people are like p- are penciling him in now as like the opening day starter at third base and like that's possible to me because like obviously it can't be much worse than third
1: base has been for the yeah. last couple years but
0: it's kind of aggressive in my view to like sort of
1: just write him in and pen yeah. right now yeah no I think you're right um just given with what the Braves had at have at the major league level I feel like it's understandable that a lot of people are doing that but with Ruiz He's 22, and he's had a lot of uh, mechanical adjustments uh, at the plate over the years, and I, even this year he's shifted up some things. So I feel like that's a guy that you would want to be a little cautious with. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if he was starting, but I feel like he's he's definitely going to be in AAA for a little bit longer than a Dansby or an Aussie type for sure. But the problem is, again, if they think they're competing and they don't have anyone else, like, you're not going to put Riley up. You're maybe you just continue oh, no. with Adonis Garcia and see how that show continues to unfold. But
0: I'm on know. I'm on board with if you don't again if you don't improve it in the off with a trade or a signing to throw Ruiz out there. It's not like his ceiling is that high to the point where they'd be worried about burning his service time. Mm. If he flames out, he flames out. But like if you can get you know one win production from him, that's kind of an upgrade on what you've had the last couple of years. So why not try it?
1: Yeah, no, that's fair. The only question is if he's still, like, if he's still working on uh, his mechanics at the plate, kind of getting into a rhythm with his his hitting. You wouldn't want to really mess with that and challenge him while he's trying to adjust and do something differently at AAA. I don't know how long that takes, obviously for a, for a AAA hitter and a guy who's who's that that age. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what they do. I would be surprised if he was starting third base. Isn't it crazy how? How volatile third base has been for the Braves since Chipper retired? Uh,
0: yeah, it's been it's been wild, uh, and of course the one guy that looked like it was going to be a positive uh, when they signed him was gonna, when, they, when they traded for him was Hector Oliveira, and he went from playing third
1: base to not playing third base
0: to an eighty game suspension. So that <laughs> went well.
1: Yeah, it's it's maybe it's like a cursed thing. Maybe they're never going to have a third baseman ever again. Hopefully that's I mean, not uh, the case. But I mean, go ahead.
0: There's been a lot of buzz about them going after Martin Prado in 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 the year of twenty
1: oh in the year Martin twenty <laughs> six
0: to twenty seventeen, if that's your savior, things have gone horribly wrong, I'll say that.
1: I mean Don't knock Martin Prado, man. I honestly no, I was love him. so like him being traded away was the second most like upset that I've been as a Braves fan, aside from the Simmons deal. Like when Martin Prado left, I was like furious. And and I was happy with the return. I was just like like Prado was my dude at the time, and he's he's a great dude, and he's he's continuing to hit. So, I mean, yeah, he's I, I I, that's a guy
0: I wouldn't mind them targeting as like a utility kind of play everywhere guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he's past his prime, I think we can all agree on that. Even if people love him like you do, I know former talking shop manager Jane Hammond is uh, still obsessed with Martín Prado. So you're not alone in uh,
1: that he one. Where's his socks high, Brad. There's that is no, that is I'm something in. in the league you never see anymore, and I love it. He's hitting three seventeen this year. What? what's what's his BAPIP? That's what uh, I've is, is like been <laughs> I don't want to tell you. It's actually like the highest he's ever had compared to two thousand eight. It's a three fifty two BAPIP. Yeah it is. Hey, I love hey, you Martin He's a two ninety three hitter, three forty two OBP, Martin Prado and you're winning a World Series, Brad.
0: Oh, I'm I'm in on Prado. Um, but anyway, before we go down to too many rabbit holes, I gotta let you go because you have things to do, and I'm on a bad uh, Skype connection that I'm amazed has last this long. Uh, shout out to Midlothian, Texas, for that. And I'll, that's an offline story. If anyone wants to know why I'm in Midlothian, <laughs> Texas,
1: I'm happy to happy to tell you, but not on the podcast. All right. Well, I appreciate you having me back on here. I guess I'm going to go grab some fish tacos or something.
0: That's the, that's the move in uh, San Diego. But before I let you go, is anything you want to plug? Obviously your uh, Padres work is going to pertain more obviously to the Padres, but Braves fans might just want to read your uh, flawless writing uh, somewhere else. But t- so tell them where, where they can find it. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Uh, you can
1: follow me on Twitter as always at Carlos A. Collazo. I still try to uh, keep up with the Braves family on here, uh, but it is definitely Padres-centric. So if you want to unfollow me, that's fine too. I get it. Um, but my writing can be found at Padres.com and MLB.com for a few different things. Uh, I'll still be checking in on Talking Chop and keeping up with you, Brad, of course. There are some interesting things for me moving forward that I can't discuss just yet, but be on the lookout for some exciting stuff. Uh, but I'm very happy to be back on the podcast, Brad, and if you ever want to chat about the Braves again, just hit me up.
0: We'll probably have you on uh, as a uh, a faux preview of the Padres series next time that happens. Yeah. Just be and we'll talk about the Padres for like three minutes, and then we'll talk about the
1: Braves. <laughs> there we go. Sounds but uh, no,
0: thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate it as always. Um, everybody else can follow the sh- follow the show, obviously, uh, to iTunes, uh, SoundCloud, is our host site, Stitcher, all the various podcast platforms. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Talking Shop on Facebook. At Talking Shop, and uh, stay tuned as always. And we'll be back next Sunday with another episode. Thanks again, Carlos. Yep. Thanks, Brad.